1: Sometimes wild,
2: and sometimes normal.
0: On this episode, I'm joined by Stuart Robertson and Michael Lake from Hollow Ground Pictures. We discussed their latest film, Edwin, how they got started in the film industry, inspirational films from their youth, and how mainstream television miniseries should return. Stewart is based in Scotland, and since this is wild and weird, I needed an update on the elusive Loch Ness Monster. Give these two and Hollow Ground a follow, and let them know where you heard them. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey, escape the city, and move to the suburbs? finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email brianmccoach at kw.com. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and Weird at checkout. That's wild, A N D, weird. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian. And today, my guests are Stuart and Michael from Hollow Ground Pictures. Welcome, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. We're doing some uh, multi time zones here. We have Stuart out over in the UK, and Michael's calling in from Friendly Toronto. So uh, we got our Scheduled to coordinate, and, and I'm pretty happy for that.
1: Yeah, same here. Thanks for it's making it work.
0: Yeah. yeah, no problem. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I've done one or two other UK calls, and usually I'm recording at five or six in the morning my time to make it like lunchtime for the UK. And otherwise, mm-hmm. you start getting like, you know, like, hey, my is like, your dinner's time. it gets really, I, I don't know, it gets nuts. Anyway, fellas, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Hollow ground Pictures. Can you give me an overview of what that is?
2: I Want to go first, Michael? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so Hologram Pictures is a company that I founded probably about 10, maybe 15 years ago. I had made my first feature film, which is called Playing Cards through uh, Hologram Pictures. And basically, what Hologram Pictures is, is we uh, just want to tell stories with lots of good twists, have that psychological horror aspect, and basically just entertain audiences. So uh, it's just basically being a production company that I've been I've had since almost the beginning of time. That's awesome. <laughs> Michael, how do you
0: fit into yeah. Hollow Ground pictures?
1: I worked as steward on a web series called Citizen Normal, which kind of became this uh, film uh, adaptation called Days of Violence. And I think it was really around the time that we started to work, working together on the feature version that we started ramping up our specific efforts for that company. I think we just we decided from that sort of that year forwards, we want to make a lot more films than just the ones we had in our, our catalog already. So I think pretty much from that point forward, I, I became a partner of the company, and we sort of you know quadrupled our efforts to make many more movies and put them all under the under the uh, banner of hologram Pictures.
0: So I know we live in the age <laughs> of the internet and flights, and you yeah. just guys get everywhere. <laughs> How does it work though with you guys being separated? different countries different continents
2: so uh, originally i'm actually from Toronto. so like a lot of our productions were like canadian based it's only in the last couple of years we've actually moved to the uk but mm-hmm. uh, the last what? Uh, we just recently shot a film here in the uk and then before that we i've traveled over to Canada to shoot a few more projects but we we've just yeah. made we we're just able to balance it and
1: make it work yeah we're pretty much constantly in uh pre-production or post-production for for projects always kind of planning the next thing so we'll meet you know a couple times a week and just try to figure out the log- logistics of the next thing we're going to do or or how we're going to put forth the work that we've just done
0: so you probably can't dominate the world if you're just only out of toronto but if you to separate your bases then grow from there then you just keep spreading this is the way you get global domination
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much that's what i found i found the more we kind of put ourselves out there but the more we connect with people from all over not just the places we live but like it's it's been really interesting to just kind of kind of see how how complete strangers on the internet respond to our work, which, which I really appreciate.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, stole the words from my mouth. That yeah.
0: <laughs> that's great. So you guys met yeah. in Toronto, like film school or same neighborhood,
2: uh, run in the so same circles. Yeah. So basically, what happened was uh, he came out. Uh, Michael came out to audition for a role in *Says Normal*, which was the web series at the time. And i had an audition for a different different role entirely. So now that I had an idea that oh, I think you would suit this character better, and then basically we just did this web series together. then it turned into feature film, which was called Days of violence And basically, the rest is pretty much history. And he's pretty much been we basically collaborated and worked on pretty much all the projects together since. You know, like it's been fantastic. Yeah. So,
0: Michael, you mentioned you're always like in. You know, post, pre-production and post-production, but obviously there's filming in between. Are you still actively acting in the films, or are you just, you know, the in the director's chair and the producer's chair, taking that role?
1: I uh, I am primarily acting in the in the films. I I met Stuart as an actor, like auditioning for one of his films, and uh, in more recent years, I have taken a more kind of active interest in production. I I really just like you know putting the pieces together of a film. I like making sure that our our films happen and that they. That, that kind of happens smoothly i like taking an interest in the sort of planning and the and the sort of organizing and bringing in good people but uh yeah i i we did meet with me as an actor and i have primarily acted in our, in our productions
0: so i always find it interesting <laughs> when actors uh, again so a blanket statement i know nothing about any of mm-hmm. this okay so i can you know take yeah. this with a huge grain of salt i always find this interesting though when you know you'll you get the end of an episode, end of a series, whatever it might be, and you know Jason Bateman directed this episode of Ozark. You know John Kaczynski yeah. directed this episode of The Office. Yet they're acting yeah. in it and also directing. I tend to make a lot of uh, you know sports analogies here. It's one thing if like you're a player coach because you can yell at other people in the middle of the game. It's not that big of a deal. Like you're not breaking scene. Mm-hmm. You're not like hey, you're supposed to be over here. Hey, cut. Set a pick. You know, do this. Like, watch yeah. the guy behind you. But as an actor, how do you wear both hats at the same time? Uh, like who's giving you the input like do you see things differently now since you you do have you know the the yeah. back end <laughs> view how does how does that work you want to go ahead Stuart oh I think yeah, I'll, speak yeah so. sorry i'll, yeah. Go, ahead, I'll
2: <laughs> go ahead so yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm primarily the director and the producer and when in my younger days i used to do a lot of theater work so i used to act when i was younger so mm. i think it's a nice balance having that uh that training as an actor and then putting that towards Me directing, and I feel like I'm just able to work with the actors a lot better to get out the performances better. I've (laughs) actually acted in some of my stuff, not by choice. (laughs) I prefer not to act in my stuff, I prefer to just be focused solely on directing and writing and doing the whole production aspect, producing it. But I find that I'm able to bring out the best that I can with the actors, knowing that I've had acting training in the past and knowing how to balance the two. No,
0: I think I think that makes a lot of sense. That's what, you know, you can you see the actor's perspective while also, you know, having your hat for that. And then you can relate to them a little bit, whatever mm-hmm. direction you're trying to push them, you you can speak in that language and understand it.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, with Michael, we really get along well at him as an actor. And I always I have always said this to him. I've always said to him that I, I feel like I bring out the best in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I believe that for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, just and just just seeing him in the performances that we make together, I I just like. And sometimes I write, them, you know, sometimes I'm hard on, on him, but uh, you know, <laughs> but that's how you bring
1: out that's how you bring out the best performances, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, okay, no, I really... development, right? Yeah,
2: sorry.
1: I, re- I really do have a lot of respect for when you know directors give you that space that that room to collaborate. And I'm not a director personally; like, I haven't directed stuff. I don't. I like I like producing. I like you know kind of pulling strings and bringing people in. But that kind of outside perspective that directors give is something is something that I'm like always very grateful for because I really do think it helps elevate the work you see on screen.
0: So, Stuart, starting, you, you said you acted in plays and then you kind of took on the director role. The first role, the first production that you you directed, what's that like walking into there? I mean, is, is this like fake it until you make it? Is, is this, uh, you know, they, they talk about the... Uh, um, I forget the complex. Like, you know, the you don't belong there complex. I forget the name of that. But uh, imposter. Um, uh, right, right. Do you have the do you have the yeah. imposter <laughs> complex as you're up here? As you're like, hey guys, everyone <laughs> huddle up, and we're gonna go stand. And, and you know, you're thinking like, my God, like these guys don't even know. Like this is day one for me. I'm like one sentence ahead of them in the script, and like that's all I'm at.
2: <laughs> I I like to say that I like to fake it till I make it, but honestly, that's not true. So when I shot my first feature film, I, I so what happened was. I got into acting school, declined acting school and went into film school instead. And then after I finished film school, I decided, hey, instead I'm gonna make short films and things like that. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna jump right into a feature film. Probably a bit crazy. I know, but I did it anyways. Uh, So I was 21 years old when I shot this movie, Playing Cards, that's available on our YouTube channel. And honestly, writing the script was fantastic. pre production was great. First day on set was a total nightmare. And I honestly said to myself, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm actually cut out to actually be a director, or maybe I'm not cut out to make a feature film at this current time. Felt like I bit off more that I could chew. But you know, by the time the second day came and the third day came, I was like, you know what? I, I I got more comfortable behind the camera, I got more comfortable doing what I was doing. And I don't know, I guess the rest is history because here I am today. <laughs> you know, but I but honestly like I did feel like I did question myself and I second guessed myself uh, a lot of times when I was re- making my, my first film. And even during the post production of it, it was just like a total nightmare and it was very like uh, deflating for me. And but you know, I continued to push through and you know, I may not have had the success with my first feature film that I've had with the other films I've made, but At the end of the day, it was a good learning experience. And if it wasn't for playing cards, I don't think I would be
0: here today. Each of you can answer this individually. Did you guys, you know, did you grow up, you know, backyard films, you know, uh, iPhones? Probably you guys seem a little bit older for like the iPhone (laughs) grade school generation. (laughs) But, you know, like handheld camcorders, are you you guys doing any of this? Uh, Or is it just like strictly through school and the community and acting through theater and developing that way?
1: my interest in acting I don't have a specific memory of just being like oh I really want to do that but I just remember it being something I wanted to do when I was really young and I just started taking acting classes at this place still around in Toronto called young people's theater and that just kind of became like my life for like years and years I went there all through grade school I would go every Saturday and like sometimes during the summer and stuff like that and like it was kind of just this this place to create and play and have fun outside of school so I always I always kind of looked forward to like weekends for that reason but it wasn't until several years later that I actually kind of ventured into the film world like I would do I would do plays in school and I would do stuff like that but like I think it was largely after leaving school that's when I started kind of more actively auditioning for film and film was always something I loved and something I knew I was kind of like headed towards but yeah it it pretty much organically kind of grew out of my interest in theater. Okay, nice. What yeah. about you, Stuart?
2: <laughs> well, for, for me, it, it's weird because I, when I was young, I never picked up a camera and never shot anything, I honestly had no interest in it whatsoever. I love watching movies. I think watching movies is yeah. my, I don't know, favorite thing to do. But like, I never, like, when I was in school, and I never really cared about directing or being behind the camera. I loved telling stories, and I loved being on stage and acting, and like soaking up a character. That's what I enjoyed doing. But it wasn't until actually a friend told me. He's like, Are you sure you want to be an actor? Because that's what I wanted to do in life. That's all I wanted. Since I was a kid, I just want to be an actor. But he told me, like, You know, you enjoy telling stories. You know, are you sure you don't want to, you know, maybe be behind the camera and start telling stories? And I was like, And when he told me that, I was like, Oh, I actually never thought about life before. So when I decided not to go to acting school and then I applied for film school, I was like, You know what? Maybe I do want to be a director. You know i love watching movies i love seeing all the angles and the camera shots and the setups and everything and i was like you know what i think this is something i can do and it wasn't until when i made my first feature film was when i realized yes i think this is for me
0: so you said you like you like watching movies both of you guys you know probably obviously do as an actor or as a director do you watch films like i can watch a, a movie and realize that it's bad and like oh man this actor is like struggling but do you do you watch things and, and kind of like Monday morning quarterback them and like, oh, like that's not the right angle. Why is he shooting from here? Or, you know, like, oh, he should deliver the line this way. Or, or are you able to separate that and kind of just slink in and watch the movie?
2: For, for me personally, I'm able to separate it. Like people tell me it's like... Or you you can't you can't separate the two because you know you're you're obviously a director and you love watching movies, so you're obviously breaking it down. I was like, no, I, I I tend to watch movies just based on the entertainment value. But if I do see like a cool shot or or something unique, mm-hmm. I'll always point out to the wife and be like, hey, you see that shot? That's really cool, you know. But I usually <laughs> take things like face value and just just enjoy it for what it is. Like even if the movie is bad, you know, I'll still enjoy it. So I may not watch it again, but. You know, I would still enjoy it, but there are certain things like if I see like production quality where it's like really low, for example, I'll be like, yeah, I'm not really my cup of tea. But other than that, i you know, take it for what it is.
0: Sometimes I'm you pretty, stick around yeah. long enough for the ride of a bad movie, it actually ends up being good at the end, or you're like, wow, well, you know what? You know,
2: <laughs> they almost landed that one. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone has the guilty pleasures, you know, everyone. Yeah. everyone and like sometimes you watch a movie when the acting is bad, but I and mean, sometimes you watch a movie where the acting is really good, but the movie is bad. You know, over the back is what uh, saves
0: the film, and you know it can happen, vice versa as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll see that. Uh, sometimes they'll have like you know whatever a list celebrity is is giving their review for their movie or whatever. There was the the Matt Damon one where they shrunk him down and he went and lived oh. like in Arizona and like little people
1: downsizing
0: downsizing right yeah and and that didn't do well commercially as well and but he was like oh I really work with the director and he's like also you don't understand like when you read a script it's amazing. He's like, but then also, like, kind of once it gets to production, like, you really lose control of it, and then maybe the studio stepping in, or maybe the director like changes their mind halfway through, and, you know, yeah. so like, why why would you make such a terrible movie? But, like, no, you don't understand. Like, the script was really good, and the people attached to it were really good, and, like, theoretically, mm-hmm. like, one plus one equals two, but somehow, yeah, you know, there's, one there's plus one intentions. was negative. Yeah, there's yeah. A good
2: intentions involved, but that doesn't mean the good intentions is going to all come together by a day, and sometimes, like, mm-hmm. like you said, studio interference, you know, sometimes that's, out of your hand and sometimes maybe the script isn't as you know it may be great on paper but it might not translate
1: well to the scene as possible yeah i I read a really interesting quote from uh, alec baldwin about uh, how he was like film uh, a quote about filmmaking in general he was like you have to be prepared for the fact that your biggest successes could potentially be your biggest failures and what he meant by that was effectively you know, directing or starring in a studio film is probably a lifelong dream for many. Like something that you could work an entire lifetime towards, and it might be a humongous win for you in the, at the at the time. But then the movie could come out and people could dislike it. So it's like <laughs> you always have to sort of be prepared for the the, the subjectivity of of the general public. Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> tough. You know, like which way the winds yeah. blow as you release something. And then, even if like you're so good at something, then you get pigeonholed as only that person, and like you could never. And that's not even you in real life. But they're like, oh, you know, yeah. like, John Krasinski obviously he has to be like this, like charming, kind of funny, sly guy who like, works in the office. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not him at all. But yeah, you know, and he's done well yeah. for himself to to remake himself and do these things. But you'll see things. Yeah. Uh, like Alan Ruck. I was reading Ferris Bueller's Day Off in Spin City, but there was this big gap yes. in between, and he had to go work at, at a warehouse, and he couldn't get a job, and everyone just saw him. You know, not. I heard that. Story. Yeah. So it's just. Yeah, kind of crazy you know they're like hey it's called acting like you know i can also go do something else (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah are you you able michael are you able to watch films just enjoy them for they are or or do you look at it with a critical eye
1: by and large yes i do like to i do like to typically just just enjoy them for what they are once in a while i'll have a kind of out-of-body moments I'll be watching a shot and it'll stress me out thinking about how long they had to film that or something but I, I can't do that I can't overanalyze things like that or it'll just ruin the experience for me but I typically do like to just enjoy enjoy a film for what it is yeah better or worse
0: what was the uh, Frank Sinatra quote he's like if you want a second take just like replay the first one do you have that type of clout to throw it at Stewart as he's like hey another take I'm Like, no, nope, I did it once <laughs> like, let's go
1: you know, it's actually strange. I am actually a fan of doing multiple takes. Well, maybe not strange, but I I actually do. I actually do like it because the way that I see it is even if I feel like I really, really nailed something on a take, there is the opportunity there to do it better always. Like I'm, I'm totally not opposed to sometimes there, you know, sometimes there will be a scene where I feel like I feel like we've had it and we can move on. But if if anyone else, you know, Stuart or anyone else present anyone I work with wants to do a second take for whatever reason you know I'm open to it yeah sometimes sometimes you need it sometimes you don't but I'm always open to it if the possibility is there
0: Stuart how do you balance yeah. <laughs> wanting to capture the perfect shot on filming outdoors you, you know with you're dealing with the elements you're dealing with daylight you're dealing with shadows that could that can change drastically in a matter of you know 20 30 45 minutes it, it's not going to sync up as you go back
1: so
2: when we were shooting our latest film, Down the Dark Streets, um, we shot it uh, in the borders in Scotland. And so the the daylight can change drastically. Like, crap, it could be, uh, <laughs> it could be sunny one moment, and finally it's it could be raining. You know what I mean? And I just try not to overthink it. You know, like, I try not to overthink the shots. I try not to overthink what I'm doing. And I just just go ahead and do it. Like, if I look at it, it's like, okay, we've got... 45 minutes until sundown, I look at it I was like, you know what, let's just do it, do it as quickly as possible and then think about the after the fact. I don't think I've ever, like, there was one instance, mm-hmm. there was one instance actually. Uh, this has n- really nothing to do with like, with weather-wise, but when we were shooting Days of Balance, Michael remember remember this. So uh, the person's yes. farm we were using had all the, had all the crops in the field, for example. So we spent, whole day shooting it and then when we came back the next day the person who owned the farm never told us that they came in and took out all the crops (laughs) so (laughs) all our shots from the previous day were completely ruined because nothing would match up for the next Well, it's you know what's done is done you know Mm -hmm. it it sucks but you know yeah i say you just
0: continue filming and don't correct it and then let people think it's a psychological thriller and like, why was it sunny in this scene? That's re- oh, the director must have been trying to get to us that, yeah. like, you know, the character is really sad at this moment.
2: I'm, I'm actually very picky when it comes to things like that. Like, if like sometimes I'll be in the post production, and if I see like one thing that's off for me, I go absolutely nuts. So, like when it comes to like shots and things like that, it's like if something's a little bit, a little bit doesn't look right, to so one thing doesn't match up with the next thing, I do go, I do go a little bit crazy. But also know, too, like, when you're shooting films on next, like, shoestring budgets, anything can happen. So, also, at the same time, I try not to take it to heart.
0: Just a random question. So, Game of Thrones, I don't know, one of the last seasons or whatever, they had a Starbucks coffee cup ended up on the table, like, as they're shooting. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? How did, like, like whose fault is that?
2: Yeah, Everybody's. I I would blame the editor because if the editor was all cutting Mm -hmm. together, you would think that he he would see that or she would see that, you know, Mm -hmm. like only the filmmakers and the producers can only see so much, but that person's cutting it together, you know, and you know, there is is actually something quite funny. Uh, So when Fellowship of the Ring was released, the, uh, the first one in the cinema cut, when they're leaving the shire, you can actually see a car in the background, like in the distance <laughs> driving down. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, stuff. Uh, but you can actually see a car driving down. It's like you know, it's it's so far mm-hmm. off that it was so easy to miss. So then, when they released new prints in cinemas, they had covered it up. You know, they had yeah. covered it up because people were like, people were like, oh, there's a car, there's an actual car <laughs> driving in this movie. You <laughs> know, so then when the DVDs came out, that that shot was no longer there. You know, mm-hmm. but so just saying like it can easily be missed. You know, that's not yeah. about fun. I don't know, I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I don't know yeah. if it was a noticeable shot or whatnot,
1: but if okay. it was
2: pretty noticeable, one hundred percent the end of it
1: I do think it is sort of a, a sort of a collective effort to oversee something that obvious because it, it might seem very, very obvious to, to a viewer, you know, looking at it, but on the day, there was probably a dozen people running around, each specifically focused on one thing, to the point that they couldn't see the forest for the trees. Like it would, like it. I don't know. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying I. I, I forgive the carelessness, but it is entirely possible that so many people were just hyper focused on other things. They just totally overlooked it.
2: Like there's like so many <laughs> things. For example, like if you watch like the yeah. Dark Knight Rises, there's the one scene. This one scene, like I, I, I can't believe this. Like it. Honestly, baffles me. So, this one scene in The Office where Christian Bell has the cane and he's speaking. I don't know if he's speaking to Morgan Freeman, if he's speaking to um, Michael Caine, doesn't matter. But, anyways, so in the scene, you literally see the shot. He's got the cane. He doesn't have the cane. Caine's in the other hand, you know, and it's just, <laughs> and, and it just keeps going. And it's just like, you know, as an editor, wouldn't you be able to pick this up? You know, so like I can understand how it's a collective effort, but also at the same time too, like when you see stuff like that, it's like, you know, I think that I would see that as, oh, that's lack of coverage. And they've yeah. and that's why they yeah. had to go with that shot and hopefully nobody picks up on it. And most people mm-hmm. didn't pick up on it, except for me, obviously. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
0: in oh. the internet where there's a lot of people have nothing to do, they find everything eventually and oh, they'll yeah. post it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So-
2: <laughs> Like so, see see that stuff doesn't bother me that much. But the, the things that bother me more is like if you see a mic, if the mic comes into into it, or you see like the reflection of the camera or something like that. Like that I would probably really find that more. Because that now gets yeah. you out of the express. it's like a coffee cup or coffee yeah. that things in different hands, that doesn't bother me so much.
0: But the car in the Shire has to bother you because they wouldn't have to walk all the way to Mordor. <laughs> they could have just gotten that car and been uh, the movie would have been twenty minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> it, it, honestly, it bothered me when I first saw the film, and then when yeah. I went when to watch a on DVD, and I was like, "Oh, they took they they took out. really what?" <laughs> you have yeah. to leave
0: it in there. They're just you know they're they're enforcing the Mandela effect. I don't know if you guys like know anything about the Mandela effect, yeah. but it's the, you know like the changing yes. of the past. So the, the, here it is. People are like, I swear there was a car. I remember this, and people tell yeah. their kids, but you know now in the digital age, <laughs> especially since nobody like owns anything physical as much anymore. I could re-edit this podcast however I want and re-upload it, but unless mm-hmm. you saved it onto a hard drive somewhere, it's just always going to play however my latest upload was. For sure, yeah. So <laughs> it makes it very difficult. Growing yeah. up, who were your influences? What did you watch? What what's pushing in the direction that you want to go in? Want me to
2: go um, first? Or you want to go first,
1: Michael? Yeah, you can go ahead. Sure.
2: Okay, yeah. uh, so I'm a big like I love scary movies, horror films. Just absolutely love them. My mom got them, got me into them when I was young, and I've never looked back. I think the one movie that really inspired me to become a filmmaker is David Lynch's Deep Red. If you've never seen it, that film is just absolutely phenomenal. Not just in the story, but just the way it looks, the shots, cinematography, everything. It's just out of this world. That is, I would say for directors, probably David Gento was probably my biggest influence. Also, like John Carpenter as well, or Stuart Gordon, for example. But yeah,
1: that's yeah, that's that's all I got. <laughs> cool. I definitely loved scary movies growing up too. I, I always just, I always it just appealed to me that I was watching something like a little too old for me. So I remember watching like Blair Witch Project when I was pretty young and I remember seeing The Birds when I was pretty young and that that has always stayed with me. I've always had an appreciation for the kind of like last generation of horror stuff. Like I really love like Hitchcock's movies and stuff like that. But one of the, the kind of watershed moment that got me really obsessed with the genre was actually when I was a kid a friend of mine just found a copy of a Stephen King book and just lent it to me. And that was the first Dark Tower book. And pretty much from that moment onwards, I sort of saw the symbiotic relationship that his books had with movies and stuff. So I was always like, oh, if there's a Stephen King uh, book that I've read, I have to go seek out the movie. And they pretty much always keep making them. And he never stops writing stuff. So he's always been a huge influence on me, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he has, you know, the original Stand, the the newer Mm -hmm. one wasn't that bad, but I, I really enjoyed the first TV series one that was out. Even the yeah. first it that came out, the, the yeah. newer ones, like oh, they're fine too. But just something, they're just, they're extra creepy back then. Random tangent. Why don't we have TV movies anymore like this? Is it just because, like, the Netflix world, that's what they're doing and, and you're just pigeonholing it there? Or, like, where is the Stephen King two Sunday, two Sunday nights in a row adaption of whatever he wants and is like must see TV? Is this just the streaming digital age that we're in where Apple's yeah. buying it up and everything else?
1: That would be my guess. I think that's pretty. It's pretty much just the sign of the times. It's it's much easier for something to exist on a streaming service that can kind of be watched forever in perpetuity, rather than like, I don't know. I don't know if the days of appointment television are over now, but I, I think that I think that's why. I think I think uh, people just sort of see it like they'll they'll get more more viewership if it, if it just kind of exists if people can watch it whenever they want. I, I miss <laughs> I
2: miss those TV events. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're good. the next three nights, you know, like store the century. It's like, oh, I got yeah. to be, I got to be up all week to watch this, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. they <laughs> don't do that anymore. And I think it's just basically, basically what Michael said is basically just all like syndication and things like that. And it's just the mm-hmm. same. And it's weird, too, because I was talking to a friend that even with movies, too. So like, you don't really see like. Like thrillers that like, that you would get from like the nineties, for example. Like we were talking about, like Basic Instinct or Kurt Russell and Breakdown, for example example. And in today in today's book, you don't see movies like that anymore. You know, and it's, and it's a shame because there was like good thrillers back in the day. And nowadays, it's just you know I feel like it's just all fluff stuff, and it's just it's just not the same.
0: Yeah, I have a hard time. Individually, I like superhero movies. Like I like Batman. I like Spider Man. But as there's everything's Avengers, and then I have to see Avengers three before I can see Spider Man two to understand what. Like that's where it really loses me. But like, you you guys can't force me to watch eighty five movies just because I want to watch the Spider Man series on its own and try to enjoy <laughs> that.
2: Or well, the Marvel TV shows that they've released. Yeah, you know, they just
0: twist them all together.
2: Yeah, it's 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 honestly, I'm bored of it. I really am. You know, like I, I, really don't care. Like I, I know that they released Loki season two, and I'm like, oh, I'm I've, I've, no interest in watching it anymore. You know, I, I think the only one I really liked, and it's probably a lot of people probably didn't like it, was Moon Knight, because at least they tried something mm. different. You know, whereas all the Marvel stuff yeah. now, I feel like it's just like if you watch one, you've seen them all. You know, it's just sort of the same.
0: Yeah, Moon Knight. My son is ten, so he was watching that over the summer, and I would pop in and out and and catch you know half of whatever he was watching. And that was I liked that one. That was, that was really cool. Like I I probably would actually go back and watch that whole series to see you know what went on with it. But as I was coming in and out of, it, I was like, oh, what's happening here? This is, I liked that. I thought that was good. Yeah, those are a, a real time like Jason Bourne of like, who am I at this moment? Like instead of Jason Bourne, like, hey, I completely forget who I am and I'm super awesome. This yeah. guy was like, I'm yeah. not awesome. And then <laughs> the next minute he's like, wait, hold on, I just blacked out and now I'm like murdering yeah. two people. Yeah.
2: And, and 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 the actors are great. too, like Oscar Isaac and well, you have Ethan Hawke as the baddie. Like how often you yeah. see Ethan Hawke as a villain? Like that's like a dream come true, you know. But, but yeah, it's I think Moon Knight is great.
0: I do wish they got back to just general television. Now that everyone is a streaming service, we could have a conversation for hours, the three of us individually, and yeah. never mention the same show that we. Watch together to have like any type of <laughs> common knowledge. like, Oh, were yeah. you watching Apple TV? Nope, don't have Apple TV. Oh, were you watching yeah. Amazon Prime? Like, nope, don't have Amazon Prime. Miss that one. Did you guys yeah. watch the Disney Plus? Like, oh, sorry, didn't subscribe to that one. I feel like the TV like built the culture of like the 80s and then the 90s, you know, and even back then, you know, mm-hmm. Hitchcock in the 60s, all that me personally, you know, but the 80s or the 90s, you talk about certain movies, you talk about the, mm-hmm. the TV events that went on, or they had the dumb TGIF of like full house and all this stuff. But like, yeah, yeah, that's what you went into in you know, fourth, fifth grade. Talked about hey, I saw growing pains last night, this is what was going on.
2: You would remember this because you're from the states. Do you remember because uh, Canada we had it as well? I think it was like UPN or WGN, something like that. And every weekend they would do like almost like midnight madness movies, but during the day, so oh, I not that. that, yeah, yeah, so like they scary have, like, movies like scary movies or like thrillers and things oh. I think that's, that was my first taste into horror films was I'm pretty sure it was WGN or UPM one of the two and it was like summer 1995 and all they had was like The Blob or um, The Gates any any movie you get from like the 70s <laughs> 80s, you name it on yeah. television and it was yeah, like yeah. it's amazing but then uh-huh. nowadays it's just like I, I can not tell you last time I even watched television. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, everything, oh. like everything was just regular I, television.
0: Just, I have not watched in years. Yeah. If, if it's yeah, not yeah. a sporting even news, people go, like, oh, I was watching the news. Like, what? You're watching the news? Like, didn't <laughs> Twitter tell you all of this? Like, like that <laughs> happened 15 minutes <laughs> That's, ago. That's yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's crazy. I think I think when I was in Canada a couple of years ago, I was watching TV and they had Titanic on and Mm -hmm. all the commercials and everything and I think the film ended up being like five hours long and yeah it was actually a joy to watch because it was like oh I don't you don't experience this anymore it's like it's a bit of nostalgia coming back to you Mm -hmm. and it's just a shame that you know TV is just
1: I do do find it really I do find it really comforting to watch old movies and binge old shows for that reason for specifically that reason because it's not like it's not like something you have to do. It's something you can just enjoy. It's not like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got to watch that other movie to catch up on this. Or I really do like just, you know, finding a cut and dry movie that came out in 1950. There was only ever one of it. Maybe it was based on a book. Who knows? But it's it's just so enjoyable to just enjoy something for a single piece of entertainment. I, it's not something you have to watch because everyone else told you to watch it. It's just something you can choose to watch. I, I really do enjoy my old movie nights for that reason. Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I I like the nostalgia part. When we when I was yeah. growing up, my parents would record like we had this VHS tape and you could slow down the speed, to have like be eight hours, whatever it is. And it mm-hmm. had all these Christmas movies on, like from both recorded off of like ABC. So in the middle of it, you know, nineteen eighty-five, you're watching, you know, uh, <clears throat> whatever, Rudolph. And then it's doing all the toy commercials. So as we were growing up, even till like our teens, we still had this VHS thing you would put in. It was just comforting to watch and like see all these old commercials. Like, Oh, I remember that toy or like, oh, I wanted that and I didn't get it. Or you'd see like a Sears commercial, like, oh my God, like this is what people were yeah. wearing. And but <laughs> now, you know, you just stream it out. Oh yeah, of course you can go on Instagram or, or Twitter and find these old accounts of just seventies commercials. I'm not a psychopath. Yeah. I'm not going to watch a 10 minute video of old commercials. I just yeah. want to watch my movie if it you know fades in and out. Like that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. I
2: remember the old days of the VHS and recording them waiting. I was just talking about the TV events. I would I would hate the TV events. Like I remember like asteroid or like invasion, Like I got the, I got to record the next one. Oh yeah, those those were the good old days. I love those days.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's tough now. So I have a 10 year old and a seven year old. And we have the Amazon Music subscription or whatever it is, like fifteen bucks, and you get to listen to whatever you want, and nothing's like blacked out. You don't get occasionally get like a a dumb commercial, but like my kids just don't like. Oh, I'm going to listen to the new Imagine Dragons, and they just play it on repeat for twenty minutes, and then they get annoyed if like something else comes on. And so it's it's this uh, instant gratification generation that we have, but it's also like you guys don't understand that like you had to sit there with a with a tape and get (laughs) ready to hit record. But sometimes the DJ would do like a false intro and start talking over it and then you missed it and then they would play it or you know, uh, no, none of this. Like there was no pausing. Like there was a TV show was 30 minutes. It's 21 minutes of entertainment and, you know, nine minutes of commercials. And you had mm-hmm. to sit through it and you couldn't get up or you had to run and go to the bathroom or get a drink real quick and make it back. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> all that fun stuff of like that you had now. Now they watch 15 shows in a row and like, did, did your brains melt? Like, did you guys get up at all? That's yeah.
2: Yeah, it's tough. But-
0: that's why we have to bring it back. Yeah, we, that, yeah. It, it would be nice if they had it. So we're talking about Stephen King earlier. He wrote uh, mm-hmm. Under the Dome, and oh a good yeah. book in this town. You know, they wake up and there's a dome around their little town, and they can't get out. to try and figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And then they were gonna they made a TV show for it. And it was on like ABC, and it's a couple of years ago. And it had yeah. the guy. Uh, it had the guy from Breaking Bad, Hank from Breaking Bad. I forget his name. Good, good actor. Dean Norris. Yeah, yeah, yep, perfect. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch this. Great show. And it was only going to be, I think, eight episodes or something. Like, great, here we go. Another mini series. I'm on board. Let's see what's happening. Then after episode two, like, oh, we just extended it to 13. Oh, we just signed on to season two. Oh, we just, and I don't know how long it went, but you had this project. (laughs) You had this this product that had a beginning and an end. And then you just are squeezing this blood out of the stone that doesn't exist to just have these filler episodes. I I, I had to give up on it because at some point it was just such nonsense, but. Why does everything mm-hmm. like You have a good product, just have that and people will watch it. Like I'm I'm sure you yeah. could have made the original it into this weekly series that went for you know as long as MASH, but it's not gonna hold the same value. like I don't know. Oh yeah, that's
2: I, why I, I, I think they're I doing that. Yeah.
1: Are they,
0: oh, all right, well, starting
2: up.
1: They did they did recently mm-hmm. announce uh Max recently announced they're doing a prequel to it, which is gonna be like serialized. It's a show okay. called okay. Welcome to Derry. Oh. Here we go. Um, yep. So yeah, here we go.
0: <laughs> I just threw out an idea. Please don't do this. And you're like, nope. Hey, guess what they're doing? Uh, Man. Yeah. But I, there is, you know, these prequels and stuff. I mean, there is content, but at some point, maybe there's just more left to the imagination, or you just cover it. Like Star Wars is now going through it of like, hey, what stone can we unturn and turn into an entire universe? It's like, please just move on. Like, yeah, give us a There's,
1: break. there's a lot of value to be said for you know a, a finite amount of story in what in set in one world. I definitely agree with that. I think mini series can be really fantastic and really entertaining if they tell a nice arc and then, like, that's it. They just decide that's going to be it.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to... That's why David Lynch does
2: it the best. Because, like, if you watch, well, yeah. like, like, you watch Twin Peaks, for example, Twin Peaks, he does it on, based on his terms. Like, so he did... He had the studio interference with the second season Show got canceled because they they told him to find out, resolve the Laura Palmer mystery. He did that. The, the show had nowhere to go. They canceled the season because, of, like, oh, like, well, what do you do? Then at the very end, 25 years later, or whatever it was, he brings it back to the day of how season two ends and he does it exactly how he wants. It ends, and how it ends is it's like, oh, wow, you're going to do another one. He's like, yeah, I'll do it whenever I
0: want to. And it's like, perfect. yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of the problem that they have, even with TV shows now. Like, I didn't really understand what a showrunner was, and Lost started off as like such the best idea, and even The Walking Dead started off as like such the best idea, and then you find oh, they went to a different showrunner. Like, why did season one through two change so much? And it's just because like they're you're not on a straight line path, you're you're going whatever that whichever way that showrunner wants to go
2: no no exactly it's, uh, and sometimes the the original showrunner would be really good and then when the next showrunner comes on may not know the contents or even care about the source material and then w- that's why it was still into another direction i think that's what's happened to the witcher with uh henry cavill apparently the there's another showrunner that, that came on and doesn't know the source material, and that's why it's completely steered into a different direction, and that's why Henry Cavill is not in it anymore.
0: It's crazy. Mm. If you're not going to respect, I get everyone has their own opinion on way to go, but like there's also something you have to respect out of the process and kind of stick to that, and, and not just zig wherever you want to zag because you want to go in a different way. No. So we're talking about Christopher yeah. Nolan's Batman earlier, and at the, at the end of the the third one, Dark uh, <laughs> uh, Knight Rises. Dark Knight yeah. rises right? And then he flies off with the nuclear bomb and you know blows spoil alert, people, 20 years old. Uh fl- flies off the nuclear bomb or whatever it is and, and explodes. And as that was happening, I was like, oh man, Christopher Nolan's really gonna kill Batman. And the first, I was disappointed for a second. I was like, you know what? That's actually kind of cool that like he took his story, and this area he wants the be beginning and he wants it to end. Because every time we reboot it, you you don't reference back to what happened in the other ones anyway. So just mm-hmm. you know, create <laughs> what you want there. And you know. You know, Robin died in an old comic book or whatever. The Joker killed him. Like so, there's things that you can do in reference back to this. I don't oh, need you to make the mechanical yeah. Batman, whatever he is. Like, I I don't need that one, but
2: still, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Like I, I, thought Christopher Nolan did a really good job with uh, his world of of Batman. You know, and you actually got you actually got a proper, well a conclusion to. Basically, Bruce Wayne, because in the third film, he didn't want to be Batman anymore. He wanted to hang up Batman, pass mm-hmm. on Torch to somebody else, and then he yeah. just wanted to live off in peace. And I think it's, I think for a Batman trilogy, I think it's a very fitting ending to his trilogy. It
0: definitely yeah. went in the right direction. That's why I'm not a director here. I'm like, kill them all. Just kill them all. Don't ever (laughs) expect it. You know, (laughs) but you can't do that. The Robert Pattinson one, uh, as for as good or bad as I was, I had a really hard time with emo Batman. And I'm like, buddy, you're a billionaire. If you hate your life so much, just just move somewhere. Just go to an island. But like, (laughs) I don't know. Oh, money can't buy happiness. I'm like, give me a billion dollars, and I'll tell you about it in a couple months.
2: I I did you. I, I, I think it's the first true, like, good Batman. Like, like true Batman, seeing him as Batman because usually all the other Batman films focuses between Bruce Wayne and Batman. This is, like, true Batman detective story. Fantastic. I didn't really care so much mm-hmm. about Bruce Wayne, which I was totally fine
1: with.
0: You just didn't have to have the emo haircut. I'm like, you're not a boy band. This, this isn't...
2: <laughs> you
0: know, it's not Fallout Boy. Like, let's go. And <laughs> just a smile sometimes. Like, you know, you, you you can change the weather anytime you want.
2: That's today's society.
0: <laughs> I know. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. What projects do you guys have in the works? What, what's the the one you're most proud of?
2: Well, the film we're most proud of right now is Edwin. Edwin mm-hmm. is, yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal film. If you like uh love a film with lots of twists and turns, uh, it's one of those films that will keep you guessing until the very end. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael also gives a phenomenal performance in it, probably the best of his career, up to date. And <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> high praise, Michael. High yep. praise. Thank uh, you. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we are currently in post-production on a few films. We shot uh, Down a Dark Street a couple months ago. I haven't even touched the post-production process on that yet. And this time last year, we shot another film called The Dark Factor, which is about a man recording his latest podcast. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know if I'll
0: see this one. It might put, put me off on a dark path.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, he records his latest dog, uh, podcast and things start to mm-hmm. happen and he starts to, and he has to confront a mystery. And yeah I'd like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to check that one out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice, good twist in that one, too.
1: Yeah, we wanted to take the the genre of the true crime podcast and have the podcaster really be involved. That was that was sort of the genesis of that project. But yeah, I'm I'm very proud of of all the films that we've made in recent years, and can't wait to show you. You shot that one in four days.
0: Oh wow! Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: not a lot of second takes there. I would, I would assume that's that's yeah, not the first time, guys. We're going on. We're moving on. Pretty much, Bye, yeah.
2: Yeah, we, so we we what happened was we we wrapped filming another film, and uh Mike was like, "Hey, do you think we have enough time to shoot another film?" And I was like, "I don't know. We've only got four days," <laughs> and yeah. yeah, we ended up doing it in four days, and it was just lots of like nice long takes, mm-hmm. very claustrophobic. All took place in the basement of his of Michael's apartment, so not yeah. not lots of locations, only a few locations. Yeah, it, it's like think of that movie Buried with Ryan Reynolds. Right ryan yeah, reynolds out, yeah but it's it's done in like the basement of someone's apartment
1: yeah we always oh, wanted yeah. to make to make a film where we kind of just capture capture yeah claustrophobic's the best word for just just capture a really like one location intimate kind of story yeah. and that seems like the perfect way to execute
2: <laughs> and we did it yeah
1: <laughs> that's cool yeah. that ryan
0: reynolds one i don't remember I don't know if i went a director video or just never was in the theater for that long, but I saw an Amazon prime one day. I'm like, Oh, all right. I'll watch this. Like you put out good stuff. Yeah. And as I'm watching it, you know, just that uncomfortable feeling because it's claustrophobic and it's like, Oh my God, I'm like, sweating watching it. And then mm-hmm. I'm done. And I know how I felt about it. I'm like, Oh, all right. But like definitely twist ending. I wasn't expecting that. And then I always, I find myself thinking about that film a lot. Like I, that, yeah. I left a good, a good impression that I think mm-hmm. that was a, a solid film. And yeah. you know, I think he did good with that. And I think he was maybe trying to break out of that that rom-com role or whatever he was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I get it. It's like Vince Vaughn, he went through his period. I get like Swingers and Psycho and all that stuff. But then he hit that sweet spot with him and Owen Wilson. And you know that comedy now maybe doesn't fly as much as it did then or whatever it might be. But he hit the, the peak of what he was doing yeah. there and went to go step away, tried doing this whole comedy tour thing that didn't really work, left mm. for several years, and then came back. Like everyone moved on but him. So, as you're trying, like instead of adapting as you're doing it, and this yeah. way it doesn't seem stale or whatever it is, but as you come back, that whole kind of like bro thing and like, hey, we're just a couple old guys hanging out with the young kids. Like, all right, all right creeper, like, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, it, it wasn't so strange in old school to be like a bunch of 40 year old guys are going to pledge to be with like 18 to 20. Like, yeah. you know, you say it out loud and it's like, oh my God, that's <laughs> horrible. But like, as they're filming it, it was coming out. Yeah. You know, it was, it was funny, but you leave and you're like, hey, I guess you never know yeah. what your window is, or or how long you should stick it out. But I guess mm-hmm. it can get exhausting making you know films like that, if you're gone for a long period of time.
2: Yeah, that's why. That's why Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted to get out of doing action movies, so that's why he ended up doing some comedy films because he was like, "No, it's time for a change." You know, but sometimes you can't escape it. You know,
1: but
0: he would go it. back and forth too, but then since leaving to be governor. And then a couple bad Terminators, like uh, he had the zombie movie Maggie or something, but I didn't see that one, but there's just a lot of stuff that he's had that I'm like, yeah. I don't did the ship sail. Like, like, I don't know, but it's also hard to reinvent yeah. yourself and be like Liam Neeson where, mm-hmm. you know, he had like dark man, a couple other things, but now he comes out and he's like yeah. a 65 year old action hero. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, but I'm in. But, yeah. But, but, but the problem with that
2: though, is it's some sort of the same films. Like it's, it's, he's the same character in all these movies all the movies might be different but he's the exact same as he was in taken you know
0: what i mean yeah hey those it was also checks are cashing i don't think he cares (laughs) that
2: is true.
0: That is. it was a shame hearing you know what happened with bruce willis and and his uh, type of dementia whatever he was dealing with and having to get the lines fed to him but there was you know there was that period where i you know i didn't understand his his movie choices, the you know, the, the direct to video type of thing. And then, you know, his health declines. There are some you know, longer articles coming out about it. And just hearing the money that he would get to show up for I don't know, six hours, two days, or yeah. whatever. He's like, Yep, yeah, I, I get five million dollars. I show up here. You can do it yeah. singly and, and shoot me. This way you can just put me wherever you want and I like, just read my line. Someone's feeding it to me. But yeah, you know, th- it's crazy out there. You you, you yeah. lose some of that <laughs> you know you lose that quality I guess of, of building the rapport with with mm-hmm. the, the castmates and that you're gonna see and you know the type of expressions you guys can play off of each other, whatever he might yeah.
2: do. the the, the yeah. only the only actor that's able to pull it off is Nicolas Cage.
0: Nicholas Cage, I was so yeah. happy with this movie, the the one where he played himself, or whatever. That movie was so oh. awesome. So <laughs> so that was movie like, was incredible back, <laughs> <Nicolas> Cage. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: But he's the he's the only one that can start in, like really like crap stuff like Bruce Willis, but actually pull yeah. it off and enjoyable. Like I've seen some of the Bruce Bonus ones, and it's just like, oh, this is bad. Hmm. This, is, this is bad. But at least Nicolas Cage, he knows.
0: Like it's like, a joke to him. Well, he has to pay back the yeah. hundred million dollars that he spent for a T Rex bone that was like stolen or something. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? Why would okay, sure, sure. Gotcha. Guys come over to his house for dinner. Hey, want to see my T Rex bone? Like, I, I guess so, man. <laughs> <laughs> but he had that movie knowing that was uh, he could see like ten seconds into the future. Oh.
2: I've I've actually, it's on my list to watch. I haven't seen
0: it. Oh, that's, yeah, Yeah, that was really good. That was, yeah. yeah. At the end of it, I was like, you know what? I don't know why people dogged that movie. I thought it was really good for for Nicolas Cage and for what it was. I'm I'm not sending this for for Oscars. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Unless he gets one, then I'll be like, hey,
0: that's because of me. I recommend that he gets that. (laughs) Yeah. I love the guy. He's one of my favorite
2: actors. I love Nicolas (laughs) Cage.
0: Yeah. So when you're, You know, you're you're writing a movie, you're you're getting your ideas. How are you picking the locations? What made you go to Scotland? How do you decide that versus shooting in Toronto? We're talking tax credits, we're talking I've never been this part of the world.
2: How do you get everybody on board? So when I write, I don't know if lots of writers do this or whatnot. I have no idea, but how it works for me is when I write, I act it all out. So like what I'll do is i Whereas I'm waiting, I'll get up and I'll start acting it out and be like, oh, wait a second, maybe that doesn't work or does this work? And, you know, and that's how I'll continue writing. And usually what I mm-hmm. do is when I write it, it's, it's basically just the, I don't, I don't like take down notes or anything like that. I just write. Okay. And then once I finish the draft, if I'm collaborating with Michael, for example, I'll give it to Michael and then Michael mm-hmm. will write his draft and he'll just yeah. pick what, what I've written. And then I'll take what he's done and then I'll write a third draft and basically take it from there. And vice versa, sometimes Michael will write something, I'll take it and I'll completely destroy it and write (laughs) a a whole new fresh
1: draft.
2: And I I, like fill in all the blanks. And that's how we do it for the writing process. The reason I am in Scotland is because originally I am from Scotland. I, you know, I was born here and I moved to Canada when I was a young age. And when I got when I came here on vacation a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what, I really like it here in the UK. Uh, so I said to the wife, maybe we should get married here. So we got married mm-hmm. in the UK and I have stayed ever since. That's the main yeah. reason why I am in the UK. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and global domination. And yeah, I'm the world domination. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm just, I think it's just fortunate that we're just able to, you know, have the option to shoot our films in Canada. And yeah, we, we've never actually shot a film before here in the UK. So it was just interesting to, mm-hmm. like, uh, when we shot it in August, it was just interesting to, you know, shoot this film here in Scotland. I think that was, that was a yeah. like full production that was like UK based, Michael.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan for the same reason. I like just, you know, exploring different places and trying out different things and, and kind of, I like when I'm traveling to kind of have something to focus on, I really like a sort of working vacation. So the prospect to go like to Scotland to, to work on this project with Stuart and some of his friends was really, really exciting. And, um, yeah, I think, I think we just, we just make it work any way we can, based on, you know, the circumstances or the context.
2: Now, we're, we're, we don't. We don't have yeah. tons of money, but we make sure our money. Yeah, and it's as mm-hmm. professional and it looks as good as it does. Like when we shot Edmund, for example, Edmund has been a massive hit for us. It's just picked up distribution rights in Tubi and uh, other places as well. And like we only shot that film for about two thousand dollars. I had someone mm-hmm. uh, watch it recently, and they said to me that like, you know I was expecting it to be a little bit amateurish. You know, due to the budget and things like that, but like, and he's like, it's probably more professional than some of the stuff that you see, and I think that's what we aim at, at. Hologram Pictures is to give as much quality on a professional level with the limited resources we have, and not only that, but we also offer really good twists. If you love movies with good twists, our films we do that for you.
0: Uh, obviously, you're talented. So we'll we'll get that there. Why do you think? Do you think it's because the technology has changed so much that your two thousand dollar budget can look more polished than say like Kevin Smith? I think he did Clerks for like seventy five or eighty thousand dollars, but that was also like the nineties at that time of wanting that uh, you know kind of like that jittery nishness, that jitteriness that that it had to it. But is it because they're you're all digital that you know the the production software? You're able to do from your home, and you know, like, is am I on to anything here?
2: I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that. Um, because I think anyone can make a movie, like, anyone can pick up a camera, anyone can shoot a movie, but I think you got to have some sort of like skill, like, you know what I mean? Like, like you can shoot a movie for two thousand dollars, like, the same amount as we wee- shot, and it might come out like very like amateurish or maybe look like a home movie or something like that I don't know but I think I think you have to have an eye like a keen eye to detail and things like that like we don't have like we didn't have we spent two grand making the film but I would see a good 60 percent of that went into post-production like went into like doing the music and the sound effects and making it all really really good and I think it was just the camera work and the performances that really gave it that edge in the production stage. But I think it just comes from experience and attention to detail to make that work.
0: My question was definitely clumsy because I didn't mean it that anybody with $2,000 can make a polished product. So that wasn't no, anything for no. <laughs> yeah. no, no,
2: no, that's, no, no, that's, not, what, yeah, that's yeah. not what I mean either. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah.
0: So what cost Kevin Smith 80 grand to come out with this thing that oh. isn't as smooth? Where's that disconnect? I get that's that's kind of like more my question. Not that you know what his per, his no, no, budget was on I, I, that. I,
2: I think it's yeah. well, I it as he shot on film, didn't he? he shot I, I 60, think so. Yeah. So is that yeah, I think yeah. He shot on 60 millimeter film. So that's that's definitely one because film is expensive. And yeah. I, and also when he shot the film, he shot he shot clips to what ninety three, ninety four. So video cameras. They were a thing because they were like home movies and things like there was, there was those. Those sort of splatter flicks from the eighties that were like all, all like home video based sort of thing. But I would say the digital age, you're right, has really made it more affordable for people to shoot stuff. Yeah, just technology, I would say.
0: Okay, you still have to be talented though to come out with a good product. But so like, yeah, the film, yeah. I guess, is more expensive. But this, yeah. this exactly.
2: is a- like there's still like I think I think the most important thing with <clears throat> film is sound. Me personally, mm-hmm. like you can have yeah. like a crisp picture, but if your sound's not good, I feel like audiences will look away because if you hear a crackle or something like that, that kind of puts you off to the story. You know, like I feel like that's just like, oh, that's, that's kind of hard to hear sort of thing. Whereas like if you have good sound, I, I think picture quality is secondary. Because as long as you have a good story and it sounds OK, I think yeah. most people would actually tune in and watch it anyways. And that, that's a very That's a very that debatable thing i said, but I strongly believe mm-hmm. that sound is the most important part
0: to it. You mentioned you had your movie with the guy in the podcast and he becomes the true crime and he's trying to solve his mystery there. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that that's something out of today's culture. What do you see now that kind of gives you, that's like happening in real life? You're like, oh man, like, I'm definitely gonna use that or like, that's bad. Like like AI seems like it could like, be like the worst thing in the whole world. Like just having all this AI programmed and, you know, there's yeah. tons of movies about that and Terminator and, and things like this that it really just seems... something like, a reality. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it's coming. What do you see now that either you haven't put into a film or even fully thought about, but it kind of just tickles the brain back there a little bit. Like, hey, this would be, you know, a really good angle to go with.
2: Honestly, I've actually thought about shooting a movie with AI. You know, I, thought, I think it'd be really interesting to... No, just to experiment. Just to experiment, like, we have a friend who, who also does all the music for us, for our films, and he has a song that was released with total AI imagery. And I was like, and I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. This is really cool. This is something, this is great for, like, music builders. If you don't have the money to actually do performance arts or anything like that, you could use it, tell, tell your story through AI. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, you know this actually might be pretty cool. Well, if you took AI to actually make a movie, um, I know there's all these the stories now, it's like you know the um, all the actors don't uh, want the AI make them look younger and things like that when they when they die when they die the de aging they did Robert De Niro yeah. yeah yeah I completely <laughs> agree with that a hundred percent I agree with that they shouldn't shouldn't be doing that but I think it's not necessarily a bad idea to experiment on what it's like to you know I think it would be interesting to take a script, make a movie through AI and then make your film,
0: like do the two, and then compare it. I like AI mm-hmm. for that purpose. I'm on board for that. Yeah. But you know, yeah. <laughs> I just saw an article the other day. There's this. It was like a thirty-six thousand dollar a year private school, and the principal is AI. Now, like <laughs> I, I, this could be like you know headline clickbait because I, but I didn't go for it. But I was like, what? I'd yeah. be so furious. One, I'm like, I'm not paying thirty-six grand to send my get to school. But two, like who? It's just so cut and dry and so cold. So, I think artistically, you know, they just released a new Beatles song the other day, and that was like with the help of AI and and doing this. You know, we can Mm -hmm. debate if that's like a real song or not. Like, that's fine. But it's also pretty cool they're able to do that. Something that didn't exist does exist. Yeah. So, I think artistically, you know, and and if AI is going to bring back Robin Williams, I think think he signed something saying like you can never use AI for him. Uh, but yeah. if AI is going to bring back like this character that we love or this person we love and we, we can see like that's going to be pretty cool like hologram Tupac like can you please put him on tour I want to go see it but <laughs> yeah. at the same time yeah. I think your idea of a, a man-made a person shot film versus the AI one and see where they both come up you know that, that'd be pretty mm-hmm. cool yeah I
2: I I I don't think that's actually been done before uh and I think it'd be very interesting you know and, and sometimes and then I, and I like, pretty sure you would say some of the stuff you shot would be better than some of the AI stuff, and then vice versa as well. You know, like, oh, I never thought mm-hmm. about an AI, AI, AI version on, you know, using. that. Yeah.
0: yeah, so the AI art that you see, the pictures that they can create or they do, like, they're, some of them are just mm-hmm. fascinating. And, like, the deep fakes, like, all, all this stuff is, like, oh. way too much for our brains to handle right now, but...
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not even that old. Like, see what, it's going to be like five, like, see what, even, like, a couple of years from now. Like, it's going to be
0: crazy. Yeah. So my podcast, we cover the gamut of like crazy things. And mm-hmm. when I was a kid growing up, like I loved aliens. I still like aliens now. But like as I get older, I'm like, what What part of this is just like disinfo? What part of this is just a government program? And any video that comes out now, I'm like, I, unless it like landed before, it used to be like, oh, if it landed on the White House lawn, like I would believe it. That was like a, a saying. But even now, like if you could show me Joe Biden meeting an alien, I was still like, I don't believe it. Like it needs to land on <laughs> my lawn because AI is so good with all this stuff. Yeah, like you just never I'm, know.
2: I'm, I'm glad you brought up aliens because I am a huge believer in aliens.
0: <laughs> Let's get into it real quick. I do. I have yeah. a hard cutoff because I have to coach flag football. Let's get into aliens. Are yeah. they? Are they from Earth? Are they in a different dimension? Are they in a different part of Earth? Are they coming from far away? How are they getting here?
2: All I will say is this. If we're only a speck in the universe and we're the only ones in the universe, why are we so lucky? Mm -hmm. So with that being said, there's no doubt in my mind that aliens exist.
0: Do you think they visited Earth? Do you think the UFOs that they're seeing, is this like government technology from somewhere? Or do you think this is like truly an alien?
2: I believe I believe they've come. I believe they've been here. Mm-hmm. But you know but you look at you look at planet earth then you look at how much water we have or like how much sand we have like you can literally just have an alien come down middle of the ocean you know for example look around and be like oh there's nothing here emily you know, there's one example I believe that there's there's been talks that they're they're living amongst us I don't know if I would believe in that sort of thing, but I definitely do believe mm-hmm. that they have been here. Like I've seen some, me personally, I've seen some crazy stuff in my day. I don't
0: know. You're bringing this up so late in the interview. I need more. What, what What's happening? <laughs> what's going on over there?
2: I don't want to go missing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have go you,
0: missing. Have you seen a UFO? Like a, a classic
2: yes. saucer-shaped UFO? Yes. Yes, I, I have.
0: Yeah. Did it and did I, it
2: change I, you I, in any way? Uh, I think I was. I think I became more aware. I I I would feel like I became more aware. And it was strange too because like I remember when I saw I saw like the government trucks and everything, and I saw like the big lights, like like it was like a big like investigation sort of thing. And then I saw the next day when I saw all the footsteps footsteps in the snow trying to cover it up. Um, I don't want to go into more detail than that on on uh but uh yeah it definitely is an eye opener, that's for sure. And I do believe that maybe man in black does exist as well.
1: That's
0: fascinating. I'm I'm on board. <laughs> I'm still trying to you know, if you know, there's a billion planets wherever they find more every day. And and it's yeah. funny, so in your kid, you look up at the stars and you're like you know, maybe me, like I, maybe I didn't get it. But you look up the stars and like not fully comprehend what a star is, and they're like, "Wait, our sun's a star, and then planets orbit around it." And now they're saying like every mm-hmm. star you see has planets orbiting around it, like have have multiple. And I I don't know. Again, like they, oh, the Hubble telescopes saw this, and it's actually giving to a whole diamond planet. I don't really fully understand how you can figure that out, but if they're seeing shadows and, and it the creates planets, like I'm on board for that. How are there, how are there yeah. not other? People and other other things like that. Like
2: no, exactly. or, or, and, and, <laughs> aliens. And, yeah. and they can look and they can look maybe exactly like us for all we know. And who knows? They might just have four fingers or they might have extra digits. We don't know. But like I don't necessarily believe that they're all like like weird looking creatures or like that. I can literally just be like you and me. Instead of maybe let's <laughs> like having instead of having like say two eyes, they might have three eyes because of evolution or like one eye, you know what I mean? But or they could just be identical to
0: us. Yeah, I just I find it fascinating that they're coming from far away. I just go back and forth on that. I, sometimes I just you know do they just live in the ocean and that's where they're at? And there's just bases like there's this David Grush coming out and there's other people coming out with the the stories now of you know government submarines being whizzed by like a thousand miles an hour under the ocean by these things and then they find this object that's producing other objects and they try to get near it but then it moves as they're getting near it. It's crazy.
2: I don't know mm-hmm. how true this is, but do you remember that, uh, that Titan, the Titan that imploded?
0: Yep, the submersible, yep.
2: The submersible Titan. Well, I was reading that one of the guys on that submersible Titan was a founder of a UFO conspiracy program in like California or someplace. And I was I'm thinking myself, I myself saying, oh, that's interesting. And you're doing mm-hmm. deep, sea, deep sea exploration? So you know, maybe they are living in the ocean, you know, there's, there's, so, there's, so, many, there's so many parts of the deep sea that we has been unexplored that it is very possible that we're looking up at the skies and they could already be beneath, beneath us.
0: Yeah, I don't doubt it. I love all the stories that are coming out, <laughs> but now I just look at them with like, like, who benefits from this? Like, who's, this isn't for the greater good of humanity. Like, because people are going to be more, people are going to be, yeah, I would think they'd be furious, but in 2017, they released the New York Times talked about the the Tic Tac video. And I was like, oh, this is disclosure. Like, you know, everyone's gonna be on board. But like people like slept through it. I was like, what is happening? Well, but yeah. if they come out, real, I'm sorry, real quick, if if they come out and the government has UFOs and there's no propulsion system, and this is free energy, and you guys have been hiding it for 50, 60, 80 years, and how many wars have we had over oil and, and, and like invading Iraq and all this stuff? And it's like you didn't need any of that ever. Like, it's it's yeah. twisted.
2: But didn't they say maybe a couple of months ago that aliens exist? Didn't didn't some come out and
0: say? Uh, no, because not. I you know they come out and they're like, oh, we found. They they keep doing the whole Mars thing of like, oh, we found a microbe. Oh, we found a microbe. And David Grush is coming out talking about non-human mm-hmm. intelligence, and what that I mean that could be an AI. That could be a uh, you know right. a synthetic robot type of thing. Uh, but I don't. Hey, hey, they, they could have. And I could have missed it. I don't know. I don't think they've come mm-hmm. out and and completely like, said. I'm-
2: I just feel like I just feel like with everything that's happened in the war, it's just like the least of people's worries. You know, it's like, oh, he exist. Oh, that's nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I would like to think you know? that they're they were being dominated, yeah. like their attention was dominated by like more important things. Like, you know, if you want to say that's what it is, or you know, whatever issues there are in, in the world and starvation and war, but it, mm-hmm. it's not. It's like, oh, I was on TikTok and I had to go do this dance for 10 seconds. Like, okay, so you couldn't pay attention that aliens were just announced because you had to go to watch. Is it cake or is it real? Like, that's what your big thing was for the
2: day. Yeah, like, this, this, uh, this generation is weird, though.
0: It, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, you want to get weird or you're you're good letting Stuart run with that?
1: I, I have enjoyed listening to this. I have yet to see too much that convinces me, but I am totally open to the possibility. Like, I want it to be true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I want to be present for the moment where where we all learn about it collectively
0: I just hope it doesn't end up like Independence Day and it's more like Mac and me we just have like this little (laughs) alien guy running around drinking out of a Coke yeah
2: (laughs) I was was just thinking of Independence Day no I think it would be more like Mac and me I hope so we
0: have to like pray but every time we send our You know, they had these three things they shot down. Uh, One was over Canada, one was over Alaska, and one was over Lake Huron or whatever. And it took two Sidewinder missiles for $800,000 to shoot down this Boy Scout balloon. They said that's what it was. And like one, see like, well, you guys need to go back to the drawing board. If like you can't, I've seen Top Gun, man. Just switch from missiles to guns. Like you're too close for Mm -hmm. missiles. Like just shoot down a little hobby hobby thing. But if your first reaction is like, I'm not sure that is in the sky. I'm going to go blow it up. I'm not sure if that's like the best thing. To yeah. do and hope that it ends up like Mac and me.
2: Well, didn't, didn't they say, yeah. didn't they say, oh, it came from China? And China was like, no, not us.
0: Yeah, they, they China had the spy balloon that they apparently tracked from Alaska. Then it was like, you know, they had like the ticker on the sideline, like, oh, China's spy balloon is now above Illinois. And, oh, watch as it goes over Ohio. until so they finally shot it down. And then there was three more UAPs, yeah. whatever you want to call them, UFOs. I don't know. It, it's crazy. Stuart, you were my on the ground correspondent in Scotland. Loch Ness monster <laughs> is he real or not?
2: Uh, Loch Ness monster is most is a myth. He's it's not a myth. Real.
0: You've just shattered like 42 years of hopes and dreams right here.
2: <clears throat> uh, there's there's no be natural like factual evidence that he's you know, that it exists sort of thing. But I like to say that uh you know, he he exists but no, No, it's no? Just, okay. And mm. It's just so made up I, I would say. As much as I want it to be true,
0: there's like, uh, this Lake Loch Ness exploration thing this guy's trying to do. And then he was like having all these people sign up, and you can do drones and you could do like geo mapping and all this stuff. So I'm trying to get in touch with him to find out has anything new come about?
2: I would say there's more possibility of aliens being real than there is of the Loch Ness monster being real.
0: Uh, this is like the dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> <laughs> there's a possibility <laughs> yeah, alright right, alright guys I have to wrap this up let's plug your stuff where can people find you where can they find your films individually what's the best way to do all this stuff
1: I'll leave that to you Michael yeah follow us on Instagram uh, at hollow ground pictures uh, we often post links to our stuff our YouTube channel as well if you search up hollow ground pictures on YouTube my dying heart is is streaming on Tubi and uh, Edwin should be streaming on Tubi by the time you listen to this um, Yeah. Uh, t- hit us up on our socials. We always we always post where our stuff is playing.
2: And you can also check out my first feature film, Playing Cards, on our YouTube channel as well. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Anyway. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Yep. Open door policy. You want to come back and talk about films? Stuart, you want to get weird? Michael, you want to get convinced? <laughs> You're, You're here. This is, we, <laughs> this is what we do.
2: Absolutely. absolutely, 100% different words.
0: You guys have a great night. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. All right.
0: Thank you. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.